you know, you're in some sort of situation and that really, even the people that are new to a situation, but when they're confident, they just know they're going to be able to handle the situation somehow. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Gentleman's Atlas podcast, where we focus on giving you the tools and resources to become the hero of your story. I'm your host, Isaac, and today's honest and authentic conversation is exactly what you need to hear to live life on your terms. So without wasting any time, let's go ahead and get right into today's episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, gentlemen, to another episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Today is going to be a guest interview where I bring someone on. We're going to have an open and honest and authentic conversation, again, helping you become the hero of your story. Today's conversation is going to revolve around something that I think we can all relate to, which is just overall struggling with, you know, with the anxiety part about performing it in our own lives and performing in the bedroom, performing in the things we want to do and performing in those moments that maybe we are less comfortable in. It's something that maybe we've struggled with in the past. Maybe we struggle with now, and it's something that we can definitely all improve. So to do that, I have someone that has honestly had a pretty interesting story, someone that is now helping men, but has helped men, has done a lot of different things in his life, has been able to use his knowledge, use his experience to now help men become the best versions of themselves. So without further ado, let me bring on Eric to the podcast. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, Eric, I think the best way to start this episode is going to be to give the people a bit about your backstory, where you came from, how you got to where you are today. So a little bit about me. Uh, I'm an author, men's coach, and professional porn star. Uh, I've been one of the top paid porn actors in the business for the last two decades. And now I spend my time helping men uh, become the best versions of themselves in the bedroom by teaching them elite level sexual skills that I've learned over the last 24 years and stuff that just frankly is boots on the ground experience that works. Got you. So I think a lot of people might be asking the question I am too, what got you into the industry in the first place? Into the adult film industry? Correct. Oh man, that, uh, that we go back to, Going back to 1997, uh, I was attending massage therapy school. And on a break, I uh, went to the cafeteria, grabbed the local newspaper, sit down, going to eat my lunch, and I'm flipping through the local newspaper. And a couple pages in, bam, they had this ad. It was about four inches by four inches looking for women and couples to do an adult film in Vancouver. And I thought to myself, Oh Jesus, like this is crazy. But I had a ex-girlfriend of mine who used to, you know, casually joke around like, Oh, you know, you could do that. I'm like, yeah, sure. Thanks, sweetheart. Whatever. Um, Cause you never, you know, any, any woman that you're with is going to say that you're the best in the entire world. Right. So I didn't put a lot of stock in it, but when I saw the ad, I was super interested. And I thought to myself like, well, Hey, that would be interesting. So I called up the ad. And of course, as I, as it turns out, I learned almost throughout all of the adult film world, um, they hung up on me. And the reason was because 99.9% of guys can't do it. So they don't even let you try. 
And so I gave up. I went back to my massage therapy career. And about seven months later, same scenario, lunch break, grab the local paper, going through it. There it is again. And now I'm, now I'm feeling like it's being slapped in my face. And I thought, okay, you know, I really didn't put in that much effort. So I got on the phone and I called, I called, I called. And one day I got the owner of the company on the phone and he said, he had talked to me. He said, well, tell you what, why don't you come down to our studio? We can take some Polaroids of you, see if you've got the equipment. And then maybe, maybe one day you could get a job. I said, okay, well, hey, maybe it's better than being hung up on. So uh, went down there, walked up the flight of stairs, knocked on this big metal door. And he opened it up and they just looked at me and they said, are you Mitch? Because that's my real name. And I said, yeah. And then they just straight up looked me in the eyes and said, uh, can you fuck a girl for us right now? And I was just like, yeah, I was 20, I was, uh, I was 21 years old at the time. So I just had this, this little squeak out of my voice went like, uh, yep. And that was, that was the beginning and that's where it all started. And then, uh, from there, I eventually moved down to Los Angeles and then went full bore into the business for, you know, over two decades. And basically now, uh, took all those lessons, took all that understanding, took all that heartbreak, took all that, the totality of sexuality that you can learn. And, and now it's just driving it so that men can have the right experience that they want in the bedroom without needing to go through that sort of crazy experiment. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely an interesting story. I mean, you, you get into something like that through, you know, a little ad and then again, two decades in an industry, just dominating, being someone of the top. That's, that's, I think something that sets you up to definitely be in a position now where you're, you're able to help men. You, you mentioned going through those experiences. Um, mm-hmm. What was having relationships, both with your family, with friends and with partners, like during those times when you worked in the industry? You know, it's interesting because when you when you start to pull at the strings of sexuality, let's call it, you not only learn a lot about yourself, but you learn a lot about other people. Like this is always the the last final frontier for people, right? In terms of just everything. Like if you look at at men and women, as soon as they're naked, whatever fears, whatever insecurities, whatever issues are going on are going to come to the surface. You know, it's almost like everybody out there is is comfortable or confident in every other situation, except when they get down to that base one. That seems to be often the the, the toughest. And so in terms of relationships, you're going to have a lot of projecting whatever people are feeling. So, you know, when I look at my family, my family was surprisingly very supportive, um, which I wasn't expecting at the time. Um, but you know, as, as I grew older and, and me and my mother really got to have a really, really good connection, I really understood her, her way of thinking because at that time she was like, well, you're a grown ass man and you can make decisions on your own and I'm not going to stop you. So it was like, okay, if you're going to 
go out there and do something like you got carte blanche to go do it. Um, and that was really, really freeing from really from that psychological piece, right? Because you, if, you know, you, you look at men in general, like we want to go out, we want to go do big things. And how many times does somebody not take action because their family, their friends, somebody says, well, uh, you couldn't do that. Or, eh, I don't think it's for you. Or, you know, I mean, even if, if, if it's a, a kid playing football or a kid playing hockey or whatever, you know, it's how, how those closest to you, how they see your potential or how they are as far as kind of nurturing you and, and, and giving you the ability just, just in your mind to go and tackle something I think is huge because so many people out there now, you know, they get told, well, you can't do it. So then everybody just gives up and people stop trying. That's true. I mean, the authenticity part of just becoming what you want to be doing, what you want to do nowadays, a lot of people, they're, they're afraid to step up and, and to take that courage and say, I'm going to do what I think is right. And a lot of times too, people nowadays also listen to a lot of the noise that's going around. They, they listen to what people tell them, what they say they can and cannot do. And they let that kind of affect the life direction that they're going in. And so some of the interesting things that I've seen with the people that I've worked with and the people that I know and the people that I also um, just have like conversations like these with is mm -hmm. that what society's done now is that as it's shifted more towards this digital medium, as we see things online, as things are more accessible, we're more afraid than ever to show who we really are because we're more aware of how others are looking at us. And so I think now like, especially with the way, I mean, you can talk about porn, but you can also talk about just overall, like, you know, Instagram and influencers. The issue now is that some people just, they're less comfortable in their own skin because they see all these other people, they see these extremities. So when you've, when you've worked with people, some of your clients, people you've coached, what are some of the issues that you see arise out of just the overall movement towards the digital medium? Well, I would say probably the number one is often fear, right? It's, it's fear of, okay, first of all, what am I supposed to do in, you know, in the sexual situation, right? Then there's the paradox, I would call it between the mainstream narrative, if I'm going to use that term, mainstream narrative of how you should behave and what works versus the boots on the ground version of how you should behave and, and what works. And, and they're very almost opposite, right? In, in terms of, in terms of structure and in terms of just ideology. So it's, it's one of those things where when we're thinking about lust and we're thinking about attraction and we're thinking about sexuality you know that polarity between men and women has to exist right the you know women don't get turned on by you being a super nice guy they get turned on by in some ways you being an animal they get turned on by you being confident they get turned on by proper skills um and and those things matter, especially when we're talking about sexual relations. And I think what I'm seeing with the fear is now 
guys are so afraid to sort of step up or they're, they're especially afraid to lead. You know, it's something I talk about a lot where I talk about bedroom leadership because fundamentally as a man, you have to be able to lead that interaction. You know, the, the pop culture idea, you know, I, I always reference basic instinct because if you remember that first, um, first shot in the movie, it's like she's got the guy she's got his hands tied up and she's riding him like, you know, like she's trying to break some sort of horse. And I tell guys, I said, man, that's fantasy. The, the girl might want you to tie her up, but she's not going out there just tying you up and doing all this stuff. Like you have to be the man taking the actions in the bedroom. You have to be leading. And I, and I always say you can create, you know, this kind of porn star experience. You can create it with almost any woman. It's, it's really about, your leadership in the bedroom and how you are seducing, how you are creating the magic, what sort of things you're doing in the moment that can create that kind of person. So do you think the guys are getting it wrong in the way they're seeing it then? That is, I mean, cause if you think about most guys, they think about like when they see them, like when they see important and stuff like that, and they're like, mm -hmm. well, if like she's doing all these things, that's what my partner should be doing, but then they don't see what the guy's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. See yeah, exactly. And, you know, here's one of the things, and I talk about this a lot. The thing about porn that people really do need to understand is it is a visual performance art. If we're going to use that as a, as a sort of way to categorize it, but it's visual. Right? We're trying to create an experience for the customer, and it is a visual experience. So everything that we do is for maximum visual impact, first and foremost. That's what sells. So, of course, you're going to have all these different scenarios where, yeah, you've got this woman you know, taking super charge, and she's doing this, whatever the director wants. But is that how it plays out in real life? No. No, very, very rarely, very rarely. If you look at most women, you know, if we're going to just kind of categorize the polarities, right? David Data said it best in, in his book, The Way of the Superior Man. You know, most men, if they if they have a sort of max, masculine core to them, you know, they're going to be, um, you know, dominant and have that masculine energy. And women, most of them, if they have a, you know, sort of feminine core, they're going to be submissive, at least when it comes to how it plays out in the bedroom, right? And so when you, you look at most women, they, they want you to take action. And where a lot of guys end up kind of messing up is they, they don't understand that, that that's what she wants. Like she wants you to take the initiative. And if you're just sitting there and you don't do anything, she's certainly not going to do anything. And then it's like you have two strangers kind of look at each other, twiddling their thumbs, being like, okay, who's going to make the first move here? Oh, nobody. Okay, let's go home. Right. So no, that I love that book too, David Data, when he talks about the essences of each. And it's not necessarily that he correlates it, but he's like, most of the time, this one's this one, this one's that yeah. one. But when you talk about those essences too, I think what people don't also realize is that the more you're able to step into your own frame and your essence, the more receptive the other side's gonna be. So I think like what people don't understand too, it's like if you're not able to lead, well, then the interaction kind of is like isn't as good. But it's like I mean, it's like the same with dancing. Like if you're leading a salsa dance, the better dancer you are, the more fun it is for them to follow. So the more receptive they are to doing things. And so it's it's this idea too. It's like, 
the more you're able to do and be more confident in what you're doing, the better it turns out to be. And I think another thing too, is that understanding your expectations for real life. And then something that is clearly, like you said, it's a visual performing art. Like it's, it's created for that sort of that attraction, the way that it's made. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of doing it. But I think another part too, is why, why do you think specifically that porn is so addictive to so many guys nowadays? And it's so prevalent in a lot of society. Well, I think it's a dick. I don't know that it's any more addictive than it's ever been. I just think it's more accessible. That's true. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I remember, you know, we go back to the days where it's like you, you, if you had yourself a Playboy mag, you just had found gold, right? Um, you know, so it's like, okay, that's what you had, or you had your Sears catalog or whatever. And sure, you know, you, it's, it's a, it's a device that, you know, men are using, you know, whether it's for, for fantasy or for, you know, something to turn them on, which is fine, but you weren't getting that nonstop dopamine hit like kids are getting today where they get online, they get on the internet and then it's just click, 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 click. I mean, Jesus, you could click, click a thousand times in a minute if you're fast enough, right? Like you can really go through some stuff. And I think that is, I think there's two things that sort of, you know, or detrimental it's the the constant dopamine hit that guys are getting today and then in conjunction with that you have the fact that it seems to me and this is just what i see having been in the business that when guys really start getting into their into their porno into their adult films that because now they've got this ability to see so much so quickly it's almost like those dopamine receptors burn out. And so then the stuff needs to be harder. It needs to be crazier. It needs to be kinkier. So I see that ramp start going up where the the visual context, you know, and the visual material needs to be harder, harder, harder. You know, it's like, it, you know, it becomes like athletics, bigger, stronger, faster in that sense, right? But what they need to get that sort of fix becomes um, greater. So that's what I've seen just, you know, when I look at what's changed, especially in the business over the years. Yeah, no, I think you're right, too. It's, it's a point where it's like it's not really that it's gotten more addictive in a sense, or at least more used. It's just the way that, that it's shared is a lot more accessible. But I think another issue that a lot of people are seeing, too, is it's not even just what it does when it talk when you talk about like the anxiety of like performing or like what it does for your expectations. But I think the, even just the neurochemistry of the dopamine and just doing that constantly and stuff like that, like it's very off putting when you're looking to someone that wants to achieve goals or wants to do something with their life or wants to go work out. It's like, if you have so much of that behavior that's stimulating your dopamine, then your receptors get pretty messed up because I mean, like all that accessibility and then obviously you couple a lot of things like the dopamine rush is almost at its peak when it's in those moments. So then it makes, I think, doing things in your life that you used to find meaningful or that should be meaningful a lot less and a lot less important and way more diminished in the way it's and it's distributed. And then at the same time, too, you look at I mean, you can even just talk about the specifics and what it does in anxiety. So I think it'd be good if you talked a little bit about that, that idea of what it does for believing in your own ability when you see something like this at this level? Well, you know, what's interesting is like, 
you can always, you're always a choice, right? In, in which way you're going to go when you, when you see things or experience things. Um, and so, and what I see is you end up with people that sort of diverge, right? It's like they, they see the, the adult films, which the, the best way to sort of categorize adult films in a sense, right? Because often you'll hear the, the cliche, well, you know, porn isn't real. I'm like, well, you can't say that because it's not CGI. We're really doing it, right? So really the comparison is sort of like watching the NFL. Like I can watch Tom Brady throw a pass to, you know, uh, his wide receiver and the wide receiver jumps up two meters in the air and catches it with one hand. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty incredible. But I'm like, I probably couldn't do that, right? So it's real and it's amazing and it seems a little out there. And then I'm like, mm, okay, I, I can't do that. Um, but I take it for what it is and I just say, okay, well, this is entertainment, right? I don't sort of, I don't look at myself or belittle myself because I'm not able to jump two meters in the air and to catch a football with one hand. And so when we look at, at adult movies, you have the people that they, they take it for the entertainment value and that's it. And then you have the others that start doing the comparison and that's where the anxiety starts to come in because now they see like, Oh my God, like, you know, everybody must be able to, you know, metaphorically catch a football with one hand and jump two meters in the air. And, and everybody is, you know, you know, six foot five, right. In terms of that. And so then they start to create the stories and then they go into the interaction and now they're worried, okay, am I going to last long enough? Am I going to, am I big enough? Am I going to uh, be able to get her off? Am I going to X, Y, Z? And by suddenly future pacing the way that they're thinking, well, now they're not in the moment. And as soon as you're not, as soon as you're not in the moment, especially with sexuality, now your thoughts have the ability to start running wild. And that's where guys really get into the performance anxiety piece when it comes to sexuality. Like I've seen, I can't tell you how many guys I've seen completely fail when the, when the pressure was on the line. And the reason they failed was because they started thinking about the future. They started thinking about the past. They did not just hone in on what had to happen right now. And, and that's where your performance is sort of analogous to, to sports in that way too. Right. We we've all watched, you know, the Super Bowl or we watch the Stanley Cup, and you could have a great player that normally is so good during the regular season. And in the big game, he crumbles. Why? not like he lost his skills it's that he was now thinking about something else he was thinking about the future he was thinking about what if you know um i always say the 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 two worst words you could ever say to yourself especially in the bedroom as a man is i hope because now you're presupposing things are going to go bad you know i hope she likes me i hope i get hard i hope i last long enough i hope i hope i hope right and soon as soon as those starts, those thoughts start coming into your mind. Now it kind of starts that that negative loop. It starts that negative tsunami of thoughts. So what I always tell guys is like, you know, what you need to do is you need to create a positive feedback loop in your brain. You know, and that comes from giving yourself 
solid, verifiable evidence that you can do the job. You know, and that's something that I talk about with my clients where I talk about the hint of blood phenomenon and techniques you can use to get some blood flow going so that now you immediately calm your monkey mind and and there's this reset that happens instantly because you're like, oh, like you suddenly have belief. And belief is 90% of the game. Like you got to believe in yourself. I always say you got to have a rational belief in your penis. Because if you have that, you, you when it comes to to you being good in the bedroom and being functional and and overcoming your anxiety, it's no problem at that point. I mean, the psychological research, if you want to even like talk about that, when it talks about believing in your ability to do something, you it it's so important to have that. Because what people also don't understand is that if you don't have that belief in yourself, or if you have reasons to be confident in yourself, and you see why you should be confident in yourself, your ability to do things even is heightened, not necessarily to the way that your skills are correlated to it, but just in your ability to maximize your existing skills. Like they, they talk about it even with like a, with smell, your ability, like even the smell, even though it affects other people and they might like the smell, the sense of confidence that's perceived because you feel yourself smelling better gives you a more attractive feel in regards to not wearing smell. And then, I mean, there's principles and even going back to what you said, like you can watch the NFL and you can watch Tom Brady throw an impossible pass while he's being tackled. Doesn't mean you get to do it. The funny thing is there's a principle that talk about psychology. I can't remember the, the guy who came up with it, but it was basically like, once we see someone do something once we think we're able to replicate it in the same way. And then where we feel disappointed in ourselves when we're not able to, but back to the point about the belief in self, I think another thing that that ties into believing in yourself is also recognizing that you, there's, there's a difference between having like pride in what you can do as well as not necessarily be satisfying and doing better. Um, so it's always like that proud, but never satisfied. Cause it's always that improvement game. So there's always things you can improve, but there's a difference between improving on things and internalizing them as who you are, right? Your mistakes are things you just improve upon, not necessarily the person that you are. And then it's interesting that you bring up the point about thinking about the past, thinking about the future, and then needing to think about the now. Um, there's a term from a Polish psychologist. His name was Mahali. Can't say his last name. Started with a C. He wrote a book published 30 years ago called Flow. And it was basically mm. like be in the zone, be in the moments. And what you got from this becoming in the moment, being in where you needed to be, you were able to maximize exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Whatever it was you were doing, your productivity, your focus, it was able to do that. So you talk about athletes, if they're not in the zone, as they say, if they're not paying attention to the moment, if they're not paying attention to the angle of the pass or the shot or the tackle or whatever it is, they're not performing at their best. So correlate that to what you've been talking about. If you're not paying attention to what you're doing, if you're not in the moment, if you're not focusing, one, you're not enjoying it as much as you could be, but two, you're not doing the best that you could be doing. Yeah. I always say, you know, like even when we're, when we're talking about sexuality, it's like, okay, you can, you can be sex, you can feel sex, you can't think it. Right. So in terms of that, it's like the thoughts, your thoughts will always betray you. And if you can create through action and staying in action, you can create the space of what I, I like to call it white noise, right? Like the old child 
from the poltergeist movies when she just, you know, had her hands on the TV, but it's that static in your brain. And when you've got that static going through your brain, well, now you're just focused on what you're doing, right? Um, you know, if, if, if any of your uh, listeners out there are workout junkies, I found that if you're somebody who spends a lot of time in the gym, the, the correlation is, is very similar. You know, you get, let's just say, 300 pounds on the squat rack, right? And you're going down, you're squatting. As you're coming up, are you thinking about what, what you're going to cook for dinner? <laughs> are you thinking about like, hey, man, I wonder if I'm getting a parking ticket out there? No. Like, there's not one thought because all that's going through your mind, if anything, is must move weight or I die. Right? Well, if, you're, if you are thinking those other things, you ain't going to make it back up. You're not going to make it back up, right? So so the if we look at it through that perspective, right, it's like, okay, well, where can, rather than being scared of the enormity of the situation, where can, where can the situation hyper-focus you on what matters, right? Where can, it, where can we take the blinders and just like, okay, here's what we have to do. And that's how I like to use that as an analogy, because it's that level of that same level of focus and that same level of one directionness that you will actually want to have in the bedroom. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a great way of putting it. I mean, I think it's even and the cool thing, too, is you can start differentiating in your mind of how you picture things and how you imagine things like you mentioned the weight example. It's originally like that because your body's adapted to survive. So it's like, if I'm not focused on this, I need to put my focus on this. Otherwise, I, you know, something bad is going to happen. So when you rewire that idea of, you know, thinking of being in the present, then it's like, this is something I have to do. And you train yourself. I mean, it's, it's like the meditation example, like clearing your mind, being able to be at peace with your mind and being able to focus. And I think what that's one of the things that we have to work on more now, more than ever, because our focus is so spread thin by all the distractions, by people saying we can do stuff like multitask, by people always being so caught up in every little detail that they can't see what's going on in front of them. So it's being able to work on that, being able to develop focus is what's going to give us bigger results. Um, but I want to go back to one of the things you said earlier mm -hmm. in this conversation where we talked, where you talked about one of the biggest things you saw was the confidence part. How does someone improve their confidence and not just in the bedroom sense, but overall, how do they get more confident in their identity and their ability and their capabilities? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I really understand, you know, what is confidence. And I remember learning it from, uh, from an old coach of mine, Rich Litvin. And um, he was the first person who really taught me that confidence is a side effect. Like nobody has confidence going into anything off the bat. Confidence is always something that comes secondary, right? And it comes from being competent. So it's like whenever we get into a situation where we can somewhat determine what the outcome is going to be. That's what gives us confidence. So it's really, it's really sort of backwards in the sense of, you know, everybody wants this confidence, but unless we go out there and we start taking action, we're never going to have it. So if we're thinking about confidence, like I'll give you an example, like imagine that you wanted to learn how to hit a baseball. And so of course, 
you know, you could either kind of throw the ball up in the air, hit it yourself. Um, maybe you get, you know, some little league coach to kind of help you out. Or imagine if you had Mark McGuire come over and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to show you everything I know about how to hit a baseball, right? Having that level of information, well, you're already going to be a little bit more confident, not because you have the skills, but because of where the skills came from. So that's also something where I think about confidence in terms of, you know, it's one thing to take action. It's a whole other thing to take the right action. Yeah. You, it's funny. It's funny. Cause I'm also thinking that when you mentioned like a higher, like a higher ability to transcend that skill or someone that has more experience or better ability, what, what are some of the issues and how do you solve these issues when it comes to maybe you learn and you have the best resources, but you actually haven't able to use them. So it's like, for the example of having someone that maybe is teaching you and you're, and is showing you everything and how to do something exactly the way it's supposed to be done. But when the time comes and you're alone, you're not able to replicate that. What are some of the, what are some of those roadblocks that keep them from being able to do those things? Well, I think some of it is your ability to feel, right? And feeling is a, is a big aspect, especially in terms of, of sexuality. And it was something that took me a long time to, to learn because you, you can't notice the nuance overnight. And when I was attending massage therapy school, just to give you a, a sort of example, I remember we had some absolute gurus where they could put their hands on you. Like literally, they just put their hands on you and they could feel like if there was bone misalignment, they could feel if you had some sort of inflammation, they could feel, oh, this organ's doing this. I'm putting my hands on somebody. I'm like, man, I don't feel shit. Like, I don't know what you're talking about here, right? But it's that level of, okay, they've built up the sensitivity in their hands. They understand what they're feeling for. And it's this, it is this nuanced level of feeling, right? Um, I used to train Russian martial arts with, um, with Martin Wheeler in Los Angeles. And, and that's some of the craziest martial arts you've ever seen because when you would see it and, you know, you can see a lot of different YouTube videos, and people always think it's it's stupid. It's not stupid. They train slowly. And if you've ever seen someone actually do it fast, it's it's a different ball game. But the whole basics of the martial art is being able to feel tension in somebody and releasing their tension. And and you would get these glimpses of being able to feel tension in another person. And it was fascinating because okay, well, obviously it takes you 15, 20 years to be able to feel that in. Uh, the nick of time to be able to release it. But again, it was this thing where there's so much nuance and there's so many layers to what feeling is and, and sexuality is the same thing. So usually one of the biggest roadblocks that guys have, you know, if they've got the techniques, they've got the mindset, they've got everything. It, it comes down to feeling because for you to know what it is you're going to need to do, what you're going to need to apply, how much pressure, which technique, all these things is going to come from your ability to feel the cues that her body is giving off. And the, 
biggest issue is most guys don't understand one, what those cues are. And then if they do know, they have to build up the sensitivity to feel them. And that's sort of the, the, the two pieces of the puzzle, right? And when you can do that, then the world of sexuality opens up to you. But until that happens, then you might be like, well, I did this. It worked. It didn't work. I don't know why. And you're not consistent. So feeling is the biggest part from, from my perspective on that. Yeah, that's an interesting part. So primarily when I think about the just the correlating of the feeling and the confidence and the competence part of it as well, since they're so closely related, it's just this ability to 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 see where you are. It's it's kind of combining this idea of, you know, you could be better and you're learning things and you're growing in things, yet where am I and how am I expressing it? Am I feeling? You know, I think and you and you mentioned the example of lifting weights. I think people that are that are good at that go to the gym and they've been there a couple of times, like maybe they've they've gone for a year, two years, three years. You know, there's a difference between when you go and you're just able to do the reps, do the sets, and walk out, right? You 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 do it effectively, sure. But then there's those those moments where you feel yourself lifting, you feel the muscle contract, and you're there, and you're so that you're so present in that moment. It goes back to the present point too, but you're able to feel it and you're able to do it at the same time. And I think those are the moments that make you the most confident too when you're talking about it. And it's so important to recognize that that competence piece. The way you define confidence is the exact same way I've seen it. You know, it's really just as simple as confidence equals competent. You know, are you able to do it? Are you able to be doing the things that you say you can do? Um, even when you're not when you don't say it verbally, maybe when you say it in your head, you know, it's it's how are you able to face situations? And I think. People get it misguided in a lot of ways, but one of the ways they see it misguided is they see people who are confident going into a new situation. And it's not necessarily that they're confident about the new situation, it's that they're confident in their ability to adapt to the new situation. As I assume one of the biggest examples you saw is, I mean, when you worked um, in, the, in the industry, you probably had a lot of situations that weren't exactly like the last situation, but you knew one, your ability and your competence, but two, that you were able to adapt and that you would be fine in any situation you were placed in because of who you are. So it's, I think, even tying the competence to identity and understanding that as long as you keep improving, but you're at a place that you're pretty good, you can do pretty well in any situation. So I think the ultimate, the ultimate test of confidence is having confidence and being placed in any situation and knowing you can adapt and do well in any of those given scenarios. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. You know, when I, when I look back at my time in the business, the thing was, you know, you'd be thrown into all these different situations, but the one constant was always you. You couldn't control you know, I can't control the girl. I can't control her mood. I can't control the director. I can't control the setting. I can't control all these things, but I can control me. And so that's what allows you to have that sort of confidence. Like I know I'm going to be able to get the job done no matter what you throw at me. Is it going to be as good as if there are external things that are going in my favor? No. Right. I mean, if, 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 if I'm going to do the best job in the world, then I need to not only be able to control myself, but then I need also the external things to be in my favor as well. You know, it's like Tom Brady. Hey, he, he can, 
he can throw the best football that he can, but it's always easier if it's indoor in a stadium versus outside with, you know, 40 mile an hour howling winds. And so, but either way, you still are in control of you. And by having that ability of control, well, that's what gives you the confidence too, because you're not relying on anybody else. You're, you're only relying on yourself. Yeah, that's, that's huge. What do you, what do you say about the whole reliance on yourself when you have like other resources you can tap into? Well, I think ultimately we're always relying on ourselves, right? Even, even, even when you have other things to tap into, I think it's, I think it's a source of pride for us, at least as men to understand, you know, to our greatest ability, how to do things on our own. Um, not that I think it's bad to obviously be, be asking people for help, but I do find the, the sort of inner confidence that you get from the ability to handle things yourself. You know, it's, it sort of even goes back to, um, what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, you're in some sort of situation and that really, even the people that are new to a situation, but when they're confident, they just know they're going to be able to handle the situation somehow. Like you said, they're, they know they're going to be able to adapt. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces, like, you know, no matter what, are you going to be able to handle this yourself? My thing also about the confidence, and again, like you just mentioned, that idea that it, it all relates back to yourself. Um, one of the philosophies that I really like and that I've always followed for a long time is stoicism. Are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, in my opinion, one of the greatest things that that philosophy captures is, is its main idea. And it's focused on what you can control and accept what you can't. So I think when you, when you relinquish one control but to the stress and anxiety of things that are external that really aren't yours to control in the first place. And you double down, you get serious, you get involved and more, even more intimate and, and more connected with the things that you can control, the things that are in your place to do. That's when the real magic happens. And then that's really where you start to step into your own light. And so I think for a lot of guys, I mean, you can, you can tie it back to not having the confidence to not, you know, not feeling that they're, able to or not feeling that they're enough or whatever it is or goes even to being able to do what you want to in life overall as a man as someone that wants to establish himself or wants to protect and provide it's when you're able to realize that there's some things that just are never going to be the way you want them to be but if you can adapt by just becoming what you need to be and understanding who you are you become in a place of power and now things exist in your control because everything else doesn't matter as much, right? You're able to figure out the situations. You're able to figure out how you want things to go. And it maybe doesn't happen exactly according to plan, but as long as you focus on what you can control, you're in a position of strength, not a position of weakness anymore. 100%. And also just sort of understanding, you know, in terms of the overlying principles, you know, especially when we're talking about sexuality, you know, I always say that that principles are fixed. Um, application of those principles is flexible. And so that's why when you go into the situation, you know, you have to start applying things differently and see what works, right? And then cueing in 
so that you have that again it goes back to the feeling so that you can feel right you can read you can see okay this is what's working now this is the new rabbit hole that i need to start going down that's going to be effective but not every woman is going to is going to be the same you know i mean like i said if we go high enough level the principles are always the same but you're dealing with an individual so in terms of what what you were talking about where it's that kind of stoic attitude like okay i can only control what i'm feeling i can control my own body i can't control how this is going to land for her right i can't control how it's going to work for her right i need to be able to then read that in real time call an audible and say okay that's clearly not working if i look at my toolbox and i look at all the other things that i have at my disposal what is the next tool what is the next technique what is the next way from again from those high level principles to then go back into the action to then you know effectively try to get her off and try to create that real sexual experience that you'd like to you know especially as a man but it all comes back to the same thing right it's like well okay you know there are certain things i can control and there are certain things that i can't i think even the part that you mentioned that's that's so important but it's very subtle is the toolbox you know are you actually armed with the things necessary and you know are you a you know are you a one trick kind of guy are you a one hit wonder are you someone that's a little more established in multiple realms so i think it's also being able to to pull from a belt of experience and a and a place of knowledge and resources and it's like how do i adapt these from my situations i mean you you could even translate this into an example like negotiations i mean you can have people that just walk in and they're just like this is the deal take it or leave it that's one way of negotiating but if you get in a room with people that don't like that and they're not going to take make a deal because of that maybe you might have to say okay well like maybe that's what i usually do but i also know how to haggle or i know how to tell them the value or whatever it is. But once you're able to place yourself one in the situations where you can adapt, but two, have the resources to adapt and understand that one, you can use experience, but two, you can use people like mentors or coaches or books or whatever it is that uses the knowledge that's other people have gained. And you can place that to your advantage. You know, I always say there's not that many shortcuts in life, but leveraged experience, experience that isn't your own is one of those because you're able to learn from decades and years of experience, of mistakes, of little things that are tweaked that make things better. And then at that point, I mean, you're in a very powerful place to, to one, take control over your life, but two, adapt to the change and the challenges and setbacks that come across you in any realm of what you do in your life. Yeah, and, and to have the tools in the toolbox, that's what's empowering. Because then, you know, you're, you're in whatever situation and you know that there are options, right? You know, okay, A doesn't work. I have B, I have C, I have D, I have E. And when you've been there enough times, now you can even start to see in advance what tools might be the ones that you need, right? But you are always empowered because, hey, you know, I've got this knowledge and I have these tools and now I don't have to worry. And again, be then sitting there into the future, into the I hope, I hope, I hope realm, which doesn't serve anybody, especially not yourself. When you can say, okay, here's the situation. Here's, you know, because it comes almost very tactical. You know, you're overseeing the situation and you're saying, okay, this is what I think these are the tools that are going to be required. And we'll go in and we'll see from there. 
And then if those don't work, okay, we'll pivot and we'll move to something else. But by having a large subset of tools, and it's like you said, this is where the experience comes from because you know, I've worked with some guys and they'll they'll tell me what's going on in their lives and they'll they'll give me their scenario and I'll say, Well, you know, did you try XYZ? And they didn't even know that was on their map. Like they were like, I didn't know I could do that. I'm like, well, you can. And next time do that and then see, well, okay, what was the response? How did your body respond? Were you able to get out of it? You know, I I deal with guys that have premature ejaculation all the time. And you know, you've got such a massive toolbox at your disposal to be able to deal with the situation in terms of, okay, you know, positioning, depth, um, pain, supplements. We have all these different ways that we can attack this problem. And it doesn't need to be that you just need to suffer and, and not be able to, you know, be all that you can be in the bedroom. But if you don't know that all these different things are available to you, now you're just getting in there and you go, I can't last. Well, okay. Let's give you some tools so that you can. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's always the argument of, you know, arm yourself against the world with the proper tools and resources. And I think of what a lot of people don't get to, and it's, and it's something that you realize after you're able to break in into one given component of life is is how much a lot of things can translate you know you talk about people that are athletes a lot of things that they see in the rest of their life they see in terms of metaphors of you know of of their of their sport or things they learned in their sport for a lot of people that maybe don't you know go so specialized so quickly it might be the physicality part you know you think about the gym and it's like that teaches you the original part of like confidence in yourself the discipline to do something the, mm-hmm. the you know the the willingness to go through a, a sort of suffering or struggle the willingness to learn the willingness to get better and so it's like when you translate that to all these components that's where you see the strength become so i think i think it's a, it's a coupling of a lot of things and it's a coupling of you know understanding who you are right taking that identity being authentic with it being real with it being honest with it And you take that with confidence, you know, how are you taking your identity and becoming even more competent while still being true to yourself, right? Belief in self coupled with ability to get better. And you take that and you just, I mean, it's, it's a formula and everyone has their unique formula, but it's like, when you can take these formulas that people have made these blueprints to success and make one construction out of all these blueprints, you're arming yourself to leave more than just a life. You're leaving a legacy behind because of the actions you've taken, because of the lessons you've learned, not only through your own experiences, but through the eyes and lenses and senses of all these other peoples that have come across you, that you've read about, that you've talked to, that you've listened to. And so it's even this instance of on those moments, are you able to put your ego aside and go back to what is true and go back to what is going to make you a better individual than you were yesterday? Yeah. And something that you brought up there, I just wanted to hammer home on again with discipline. I think it doesn't matter what, that's going to be one of the number one things that's always going to propel you forward. You know, can you be disciplined? Because, you know, even, even in terms of, you know, your sexuality, it's like, okay, are you disciplined doing your exercises? Are you disciplined taking your supplements? You know, are you disciplined with your mind when you're in the moment? Right. And it's the same thing. Like these things, 
they pay off over time. They don't pay off immediately. And, you know, when you go to the gym, I mean, how many people go to the gym, they go one time and they never go again because like, oh, I didn't see results. Well, try going for 52 weeks and then see if, if we're having the same conversation, right? But we don't get gym results from one day and, you know, you don't get better at whatever you're doing in one day. It's okay. Can I commit to showing up every day with the promise or hopeful promise that if I do this long enough, I will then get what I'm after. And that really requires being able to sacrifice now for the potential of later. But the potential is always there. And I think that's, it doesn't matter what, what industry, you know, whether it's sports, sexuality, business, your ability to stay disciplined is the is the biggest piece that's going to propel you forward in my opinion yeah for sure well this has been a fantastic conversation i appreciate your time i appreciate the wisdom you shared with the people and so to close it off where can people find you at and at the same time what are what's your closing message for today's episode well my closing message for everybody out there is that you know if you're a guy and life hasn't worked out how you've wanted it to so far it's not over right like we get to choose every time we step up to the plate we get to choose a new path and that's where the agency is right in understanding that okay you know it hasn't worked out it didn't work out last time who do i want to be and what do i have to do to now start going in that new direction because you can do it in whatever it is that you want to do. You just have to take the first foot forward and start taking some action. Absolutely. And where can people find you at? Uh, they can find me at ericeverhard.com, also at crushingperformanceanxiety.com. And uh, I currently have a 16-page PDF out there for guys looking to last longer in the bedroom. And they can uh, grab that for free at ericeverhard.com slash secrets. Great. Well, I think for me to close it off, it's again, it's, it's coupling all these things together. It's like, how do you couple what you've learned with what you've experienced to then become the individual you need to be? I think as we need to understand is there's a lot of things that make up who we are, but until we can accept who we are and accept that we can be better than we are and accept that there's, there's things that we're better capable of doing than other people. You know, it's, it's part of the uniqueness and the skill set and the ability and the willingness to train it, that's going to give us power over our life, you know, choosing what we want to feel. That's where the true power of our life, of our life is. That's, that's how we are able to differentiate ourselves from living an extraordinary life comparative to an ordinary life. So gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in, check out the websites, check out his story, check out all that he does. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, you know how we close it off. We said, we said, we said, he conquers who conquers himself. That's all for today's episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. If you are serious about taking your life to the next level, visit our website, www.thegentlemansatlas.com for all our services, previous content, and full episode transcripts. We greatly appreciate your support and we're excited to see you in the next episode.